God, please forgive me for the times when I have put things before you. Please forgive us for our sins. Please continue to teach us how to forgive one another, how to accept and receive forgiveness from others and from you and from ourselves. And help us know even what forgiveness is. In the name of Jesus, amen. We can ask for God's forgiveness because God is a forgiving God. I don't have a well-crafted introduction to this sermon about forgiveness because it's not time yet. Essentially, we've been opening this conversation for almost a month now, and it may take another month just to open the conversation, just to keep asking the question, well, what is it? What is it to say forgiveness? I feel a lot of times whenever we talk about forgiveness that it's kind of what we have done for years with people who are baptized. We will baptize them into Christ and then we will celebrate. And then essentially a lot of times in the history of the church, we've just said, good luck. It's like, wait, how do I do this? How do I actually follow Jesus? How do I actually do this? And then we say, well, you need to be forgiving. Well, what's forgiveness? Well, you know, it's when you forgive someone. Well, can you help me understand what that means? What does it mean to forgive? And what does it mean to actually receive forgiveness? I honestly don't quite know where to start, which is one of the reasons that a few weeks ago we began with Joseph, the story in Genesis, and have been camping out in Genesis for a little while, because that's where it starts. But the funny thing about Genesis is that when it talks about forgiveness, it talks about it as though we already know what forgiveness is. Then you get to the next book of the Bible, you get to Exodus, and it does help us out a little bit. It helps the conversation because they went to the trouble of writing down 10 things that you need to just not do. What is sin? Well, let's start with these ten. And so if we ask for forgiveness, well, we'll start with the ten. The good thing about the ten is that, thanks to Jesus' preaching, we do understand them now even as two big sins. Because the first four of the Ten Commandments are all about don't put anything before your devotion and love of God. And then the next six all have to do with loving your neighbor. So let's start with most of us today. Have you ever put anything before God in your life that's considered sin? And we ask God for forgiveness Here's the best news you'll hear all day. God says, sure, I forgive you. And then y'all do know tomorrow's Monday, right? You're probably going to put something before God. I'm pretty sure I'm going to, too. And so tomorrow night, when your head hits the pillow, 
ask for God's forgiveness. God will forgive you. This is what life looks like. And then that next six is where things get a little bit more complicated because we do not always tend to be quite as forgiving as God. This is the work of following God. And so even though there's more than six, these six are a pretty good one to start with. Don't kill each other. Don't steal from each other. These are the things that God does not want you to do. Back in the day, when they wrote these Ten Commandments, apparently people who lived next to each other were looking at each other and saying, man, we need to save up because that donkey he's got, oh man, I wish I could afford a donkey like that. You know, and they would have conversations around the dinner tables. Well, God doesn't want you to just be satisfied with the donkey we got. And that's the way that the conversation went. Truth of the matter is, that hasn't changed that much. You know, donkeys have become things made out of metal and plastic, but it's, it's still pretty tempting to look at the neighbor and well, that donkey, whatever form it takes. And God says, don't do that. That is, a, that is sin. And so when we do that, just wanting the donkey, not even steal. If you steal it, that's bad. That's, that's like two of them. And so God helps us out in knowing this so that we can understand what forgiveness is a little bit better. But I'm thinking a lot about the I when I ask for forgiveness. What does this mean for me to ask for forgiveness? What does it mean for you as an individual? Because in about a month from now, we're going to open the Lord's Prayer where Jesus teaches us how to pray, and it is us together praying. Forgive us our sins. But what about the Psalms, like the one that we'll read this morning? What about the Psalms that start with the I, the individual? I ask for God's forgiveness. I learn how, as I go through life, to forgive myself. I learned how to accept forgiveness from others. And so again... A statement to make, we can ask for God's forgiveness because God is a forgiving God. So if we're going to focus on one angle of forgiveness for our time and uh, forgiveness this summer, here's the one that we'll focus on today. Asking God, will you forgive me? Just as a place to start. Because one thing that I've learned, my own experience and from many of yours, is that it is hard, if not impossible, to start talking about how to forgive each other if I don't first learn how to accept forgiveness. Does that make sense? And then directing that question to God. I can ask God for forgiveness. You can ask God for forgiveness because God is a forgiving God. And so Psalm 32 this is our prayer this morning. It can teach us to pray. Um, open a Bible if you have one. There's some in the pews in front of you. But here's Psalm 32. Happy are those whose sin is forgiven, whose sin is covered. 
Happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. While I kept silent, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my sin to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all who are faithful offer prayer to you. At a time of distress, the rush of mighty water shall not reach them. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with glad cries of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be like a horse or a mule without understanding whose temper must be curbed with bit and bridle, else it will not stay near you. Many are the torments of the wicked, but the steadfast love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Every one of these blocks has a lesson to be learned about God, about me, as in each one of us, and about what it is to serve a God who is a forgiving God. Every one of these. That first block, happy are those whose transgression is forgiven. That's us. That's each one of you. Your sin is forgiven. That's the power of what God does. You are forgiven. Now, maybe you're still holding on. Maybe you carry around with you guilt over whatever. Something from yesterday. Something from 10 years ago. Something from 30 years ago. I don't know. Happy are those whose sin is forgiven. That's you. Because the second block describes what happens when you don't accept God's forgiveness. Look at verse 3. While I kept silence, my body wasted away. And then the block ends by comparing it to being dried up in the heat of summer, which for us, if we want a little bit closer to home, it would be you, you sweated to death in the heat of summer. You ever felt that? You ever felt like you just had to find some AC as quickly as possible? Because it's like, okay, enough is enough. Uh, yesterday, maybe? So I'm at the YMCA this weekend with a teacher that we flew in from Japan. This, this is a, this, we're having a big weekend over there. We were outside 
yesterday. Now, we comforted one another by saying we were in a pavilion with big fans, but it's still outside. We were outside yesterday for four and a half hours. I got home and my uniform was wet. And that's what it feels like when you carry around the guilt of your sin. It feels like being outside in Houston for four and a half hours, exerting yourself physically, pushing yourself to the point of dehydration, and then having to recover the rest of the day and take at least two showers. That's what sin feels like when you carry it around. So what's the answer? Verse 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not hide my iniquity. The rest of the psalm from that point forward is reflections for the people of God. You can read the rest of it, all of it, but verse 5, that's the key. Verse 3, here's what your life looks like when you keep silent and you don't give your life over to God daily because God is a forgiving God. And then verse 5, I acknowledge my sin. I acknowledge those times. I mean, even if all you do is start with the first four today, and look for those times in your life when you put something before God, that God is not first in our lives, each one of our lives, that'll keep you plenty busy this week. So just start there. I keep silent, my body wastes away. I acknowledge to God those times when I put something before you, God. And really, let's just think out loud with each other about what it means to go to God and say, God, please forgive. And that's enough for this week. That's enough. That's plenty. And so we can ask for God's forgiveness because God is a forgiving God. God is forgiving, period. Amen.